pull it out. We're pulling it out of our, our – we're slobbering it up and pulling it out. And we're pulling this yep. episode out of our ass. It's got liquid. It's got liquid. It's got lube. We're lubed up. Um, and, you know, we're ready to fucking – we're ready to rock. I got my Astro Glide on. I put my condom on for this. Uh, yeah, condoms are so kinky. <laughs> Dude, honestly, like, a buddy of mine told me that he fucked his wife with a condom on because they don't want to have kids yet. And I was like, you guys are crazy in the bedroom. Yeah. You guys are real freaky with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't even think about that stuff. No, I don't. Not in front yeah. of people. No, it's not. It's not good to talk about. It, yeah. it honestly like taints and corrupts your soul a little bit too. Dude, don't you hate it when you're spending so much money on condoms? I do. Well, because I have so much like crazy, just like orgy sex that I have. Yeah, to you really do. You're really sexually active. I, yeah, I'm very sexually active, and you have a lot of partners as well. Yeah, I have a ton of partners. Uh, Dude, the sex community is so. Creative and bold. Creative and bold, and it's and there's and there's, so, there's young there's so many young creatives. There's so many. Yeah, dude. You know, like in this industry, you know, you really got to let like old dogs lie, and you really want to bring in like fresh, nubile talent. There's and, so there's so many new people making making a name for themselves in this industry. There are so many. And new, what what do you do? You just when you see a cocoon, do you mm-hmm. step on it? Do you yeah. tell that little caterpillar, don't don't spread your wings and fly. Don't be a butterfly like you're meant to be. No. You sit there and watch it. You watch it grow. You sit there and you and you watch. And you, you sit there notes. day and night and you watch that mm-hmm. little little baby little worm. <laughs> yeah. And you watch it spin a web around itself. And then fly away, little birdie. And then fly they're away. Su- they're sucking and fucking with new... Moves and and new you know new. I've been making of, new connections with sex creatives on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, I kinked in. Are you on kinked in? That's yeah. where that's where we do all of our connecting with uh, with young sexual creatives. It's on the deep web. Uh, if anybody's interested, you kind of need like a VPN and a passcode to access it. But uh, basically, what it is is it connects you with young, virile, uh, you know, creatives in the sexual industry. That are really looking to make a name for themselves. They're really looking to challenge old paradigms. Yeah, that's why Chapo had us on. Yeah. Well, because Chapo, you know, they, they're a part of the, the old guard. And they need, you know, they were like, look, i got a couple young bucks with their, you know, they're polished up. They're, they're bald. They're nubile. And, they, uh, and they're limber, too. And that was they something really are. That, that Will let me know. He's like, you're so limber, man. Yeah, I remember him telling you that. Yeah, yeah, he did tell me And then me you that. tell him you don't tell anybody. Yeah, well, you know, it's but no one listens to this show. Right. So I feel like Nobody. this is like a diary for you and me yeah. to just sort of bear our souls, bear our creative sexual souls. Uh, and, it's, and it's, you know, it's important that, because if you're trying to enter, entering the world of politics is a lot like entering the sex you, world. You know, when you enter a woman's womb, it's like mm-hmm. ink to pen. Yeah. As the nightingale flies across the scarlet sky. That's so true, man. You know who said that? Who? Yours truly. Yours truly. Signed. Sealed. A bold, vast individual, unbound by sexual and creative limits. You know, if you think of societies as, as, as like bondage chains, you know, and you think of your sexual energy and prowess... As you fighting against those chains, and the world's trying to fuck you, but you don't. You want to fuck the world. You don't want to be bound. So you have to, you know, gnaw at your restraints, and you have to fight against the world that wants to keep your sexual energy repressed. And as young men, we have to express our sexual energy with strangers. We right, have to right. let people know that you know, like we're alphas, and we have to let people know that we're horny. You got to go to a lady on the bus, and you got to be like, I fucking love just. Pound and mound, dude. I yeah. fucking love, you know. You know, um, sometimes even the oldest bush must let its rosebuds sway in the wind. The oldest bush sometimes yields the sweetest fruit. Um, and, and when you're when you're, I've wanted the- to tell you this for a long time, Jake. 
Okay. But you and I are starlight, chained to a comet, bound by eternity to float around this crazy, sexy, adventurous world. Right. I wrote that in my journal for you. I honestly am really glad that you wrote that and you told that to me. It's part of one of the books I send to your house. I love those books. I I know you do. My favorite one is Thomas's uh, Tantalizing Tales. That's the one where you wrote about... uh, Was it about my sexual adventures? It was. You save the uh, young creative princess uh, from her 9-to-5 job using only your sexual cunning and power. Uh, And you teach her all sorts of new sexual moves and then you kill her after I really like that ending. I, I think a big part of what I bring to this podcast is is sexual prowess and expertise. Right. Because I have the most gentle hand, but when guided, it can be mighty as the southern wind. You can. I'm like an ox, you know. You can put anything on my back. Yeah, you know. I can I like, bear any load. Yeah, and you know. for miles. You know, you're the ox, and I'm 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 sort of the workhorse. You know, I you know I'm not a racehorse. You know, I'm not the prettiest horse in the stable. I'm not I'm not the fastest horse in the stead. But, but sometimes, but I'm a, but I'm a the scruffiest I, horse can provide the hardest kicks. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's, isn't that right, Jake? That's such a beautiful way to put it, man. And, and I, you love, know, I've been writing a lot of poetry. Yeah. Um, I I have an inkwell. Um, as many do, and it's filled not only with ink, but the blood of my many lovers. And sorrow, I would seem as though yes. that you're filled with so much sorrow. It also has a feather in it for writing, if, if for writing think, my poems and novels that I send you. think about the way that oil sits on top of water, you know, or the other way around. You think about that. Oil the, sits on top of water. Right. Do you think about the sec like that's your sexual, you know, the the oil is your sexual prowess and your in your right. expertise and the water is your sorrow. And there's more water than oil, but the oil is stronger and it's right. thicker. Uh, it's more viscous. And that's why it's the top. Mhm. Right. You you know, a lot of young men they they come to us and they ask us, you know, how can we be more sexually aggressive? How can I be a sexual beast, an animal? How can I prove to women my worth? And we just tell them, you know, you have to make the first move and you have to be quiet. You have to be like a cat. Uh, You have to, you know, you want to get to know this woman first. So you're going to want to watch where she goes. You're going to want to watch the things that she does, where she works. Get an understanding of who she is. But you can't be seen when you're doing this. That's a part of the cunning. That's a part of the sexual mystique. That's a part of the prowess. This is classic chapter two, Thomas's tantalizing tales. Um, you know, the sometimes the most beautiful antelope is the most important one to hide yourself from. Gotta love that one. I love that one from that. That's like that because epilogue. Think of yourself. You're a sexual lion. Right. You, your job, um, as mighty as you may be, is to prowl. Right. And this is an alpha trait. It is. This it is. is what we were born to do. Hiding in trash cans like Oscar the Grouch. Stopping hiding women. in your car. Mm-hmm. In their car. Hiding hiding in the trunk of your car uh, while it's parked. You park it at night. No you one's work there. At, you work at Sephora. Yeah, and you in go downtown. Sephora. And yeah. then you lock yourself in the trunk and you mm-hmm. in the morning, mm-hmm. rush hour. People right. are always thinking about themselves. Right. This is a human trait. Right. You think about yourself, where you go, what you do, right. who you meet, right. who you make love to. Correct. You bang on your car trunk from the inside and you say, help. I'm a sexual creature in need. And before you know it, you are going to have hundreds, maybe thousands of people caring for you, tending to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Every need you could think of. Right. And yes, I mean every need. Every need. Can be taken care of in your Honda mm-hmm. Accord. Right. That morning. 
You know, one of the uh, in your in your uh, Thomas's titillating techniques uh, in your sexual Correct. technique book you sent me. Um, you chapter sent, three. Chapter three. You discuss um, the way of the lion, the way of the sexual lion, and you know, one of my favorite parts of that book is when you you talk about uh, you know how we, we talk we often we speak badly of the boomers of our previous generation, but they understood the way of the sexual lion, and they understood that it's it's normal to stand outside of a woman's apartment window with her blinds open and and she might not initially appreciate it but she will grow to understand that you do you know you mean well you're here to prove yourself to her you know and you can build a bird a nest it doesn't mean it'll go to it right away exactly and and if you take that nest away then the bird comes to you for for guidance and so what i really like about that quote from thomas's uh, titillating tales and techniques is is that you you realize that the woman is the bird and you're the nest but you can also be the bird and you can also be the tree. You can, you can, and that's something. And if you want, you can be the fence next to the tree. You could be the house. You could be the worm, the lowly grub worm. You could be no. a different tree, watching, Correct. learning. You could, be, you could be learning from the other tree's mistakes. How you, you know, could better hold a nest, right? Because once you have that nest, you never let it go. Even Correct. if it moves to a different city, changes its phone number. Mm-hmm. Gets Social married. security number, yeah. Moves into Witsec, you know? Yes. Well, birds... Birds, you know, to capture a falcon, you know, you really have to understand the way of the wind. And that's one of my favorite quotes from, from your Thomas's Techniques book. And you got to be the wind. You can't be, you know... You can't, you can't be an unseen force. You have to be a force that's tangible. So you have to let... Even even when the hawk flies away, the wind follows the hawk, and the hawk uses the wind to fly. So you have to be the falcon's wind. You have to be the woman's force. And you have to let her know that no matter where she goes, the wind follows. You know, uh, you can go to a fancy barber, get your hair, you get your head shaved. You know, you can get different color contact lenses. You know, you can uh, get a social security card from the FBI. Uh... But the problem is, is that the wind can't be tamed or, or, or broken down or even imprisoned. You can slow the wind down a little bit, but the wind's going to blow, baby. And it's going to come for you. Uh, and you can't stop the wind. And that was it's something that I try to pass on. I'm a pe- young man, again, who reach out for guidance. They say, hey, you know, the podcast helps me so much. It helps me learn, you know, how to talk to people. Helps me learn right. to be a better man. Helps me learn to be a smarter man. Because the podcast, if anything, is educational and informational in nature. Uh, it's what we're here for. We're here to put our hands on you yeah, in a way that right. no one has ever done before and guide you. Right. We're, think of us as we're, we're, we're teaching you a golf stroke. I'm right, right. behind you, and I've got, mm. I've got my lips right next to your ear, and I'm, right. I'm guiding you through the swing. And if you <laughs> mess up, it could, be, it could be a bad mistake. But it could. Uh, Oscar Wilde once wrote a poem. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big Oscar Wilde guy. You love him. I, I, in many ways, I modeled most of my life after people that he knew. Correct, yeah. And Oscar Wilde once said, While eagle flies with mighty wing, deep in cave the lion sings. And that really stuck with me as a child because growing up, I did, you know, often we were going from cave to cave. Right. And when your cave... The cave systems in Fort Worth are dangerous, by the way. When you, the, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know When your that. cave gets too deep. Right. Sometimes you can barely even hear the lion sleep. You know but what's when so your cave, when rocks do ring... That's when you hear the lion sing. You know, from caves you start, and, and it's what a cave that you seek—the the cave of a, of, a, of a young creative woman. Uh, you know, her. In a way, is, every woman is a cave. Correct, and a place of refuge. Right. Dark, stinky, empty. Often, there's nothing at the end of the tunnel. Cobwebs, you know. Uh, Many times, 
moist. You are not the first to discover a cave. Nope. And, and that doesn't mean that it can't be a new cave to you. Correct. And that is such an important... You know, man, that's something that we try to impart on the young fellas and the young men who listen to our show is that if you find yourself a nice, you know, cave with a good job and maybe she likes to party a little too much, and maybe you're not the first guy to spelunk in that cave, but it is your turn to go caving. So take what you can get. You know, take what you, you know, can get. Life is a lot like poker. Right. You can never win if you've... Fold every round just because another man's laid a bet down. Right, you know, and, and maybe you don't got the biggest bet or even the biggest ante, but you can do your best to get in the panties. You know, Jake, that reminds me of a poem. Uh, this one... Uh, who wrote this one? Bleefold. Ah, uh, yes. Arthur Bleefold. Arthur Bleefold. Yes. He was a poet from the United England. And way back in the in the 18, 1800s, back in the medieval times, he wrote a poem about about the nature of a woman's love. Right. And I'd like to I'd like to deliver it to you. I would love for you to deliver that poem to me. A woman's touch is full of love. And there you go, your hand in glove. And though we part like angels' wings, we live in heaven. And we wear the rings. And wedding rings we wear upon the wedding finger that's big and strong. And like a pigeon on a bridge in the cave is where we live. But in the cave there is a grump. He only eats breakfast and never lunch. And when it's lunchtime, what does he do? He only drinks water. He eats no food. The food he eats tastes like a bug. And he's never comfy. He owns no rug. He owns no lamp. And he owns no curtains. And he wears no hats. He only wears a turban. I don't know what the meaning of that poem was, but I think it's open interpretation. As as we both know, I didn't write it. Right. Ar- right. That was Arthur Ar- Bleefold. The author Arthur did. Uh, the Arthur, yeah, the Arthur Bleefold. Well, you know, I would like to think, of course, the cave is, you know, the cave of a woman. And the grump is, you know, whatever mental or emotional disorders that she struggles with. You know, because um, sometimes women don't eat lunch. Sometimes they just drink water and they get a headache and they don't feel good. And then most like, women don't own, ru- own rugs. They don't own rugs, and women they want love, you to think they do, but they don't. They love turbans. Uh, that's something women that, wear them a lot. We wear them out of the shower. We actually don't know where that came from. That line. Well, you know, some I, scholars, we think it may have been a microfiber towel he was talking about. Right, a microfiber towel they wear on their head after the shower. That's that is what a lot of scholars have bleefled, um would like to. Would like to say, yeah. you know, it's up for interpretation, as you said. But I, I, the reason I like Bleefeld's work is because he, you know, at the time he was being persecuted by the Germans uh, for being Jewish in the medieval 1800s. And, uh, you know, as a Jewish man, he didn't get to go in a lot of caves. Right. They weren't allowed. They weren't allowed. And and women sort of spit at them in the street. Uh, not for and any Especially in the cave. Especially in the cave. And not for any anti-Semitic reasons, uh, for my knowledge. But Bleefeld doesn't really touch on this too much. Probably a sore subject for Mr. Bleefeld. He took it like a champ. He took it like a champ, and he wrote some of the best poetry. But I don't think he ever was able to really capture his sexual prowess and his sexual energy. I, that's why I like our sort of neo-Bleefeld right. approach. 
we are neo bleeful discs for sure. In a way, for sure. And and in order to like sort of synthesize Bleefield's work and and provide sort of context for the modern day, you know, you have to think about the Grump as uh, SSRIs, birth control, you know, a a poor diet of of your average young woman, you know, because women who are on birth control are basically animals. Right. And uh, in a good way. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah, in a good way. I don't, or not, in a bad way. I'm not trying to get political. Depending so just, on depending whatever on, you think is. Depending listener. on what you ever, whatever you think is funny, and however you, you know, uh, and interesting, you know, it's up for interpretation. Um, but that's the grump, and and you know, you told lo- me that you had a bleefold poem that you had been studying and memorizing. I don't know if you'd memorized it yet. But. Yeah. So it, here's the thing: it's from his early years. Uh, this was right. when he was in a primary school and he was going through a really tough time because his uh father uh, as you know uh was I eaten know. on uh it was eaten on a hunting trip uh, right by uh a fox a and fox, his, yeah. his his mother was a uh, was sort of like a brood mare for the state so he had about 50 60 siblings and he didn't get a lot of love so let me pull sorry let me pull up um, one of Bleefold's first poems. I'm so glad that the Bleefold Institute in Sydney, Australia, was able to pull this one up. Right. They um, had to build it on a, in Australia. There wasn't room nah, yeah. in the United England, England because right. it's so big. It's, it's so small there. It's so yeah. big in Australia, though. So yeah, big. It's, it's huge. It's half the world. Uh, but I, I got it pulled up here. Um, let me let me read it for you here. Uh, this one is called um, An Ode to Mama. Oh, mama, I love you so. Your hair is soft and your skin doth glow. Oh, papa, where did you go? Eaten by a fox and no one knows. I think of you fondly from time to time. An iambic pentameter and song and rhyme. Mama works in town and makes plenty of children. I don't know my brothers or sisters and I remain bewildered. I wish I had a mama that wasn't a whore. I wish I had a papa that was not a bore. I wish that my uncle would play with me more. I wish that my auntie would take me to the store. I love to go to the store and get plenty of sweets. I love pastries and cookies and toffees and treats. But the thing I love most... And the thing I hold dear is some yummy wheat toast and a glass of root beer. Wow. Now, Jake, I could tell you were getting choked up during that because... I was. I was. Because it, it means a lot. It does. It does. And I'm glad we have this platform, this space, this creative, deeply sexual space to right. share Arthur Bleefold's deepest but, works you know it's it's it, a lot of people might say you know they might take like a psychoanalyst approach to bleefold and say well his life was clearly so bad and terrible that no wonder that he never got to you know um go into the cave as we should right say. he didn't uh, they didn't let him there right but in a way i think his his early life you know with his prostitute mother and his father they got eaten on a hunting trip i think it it may have made him more attuned to the sexual energies of the world, right. but but because of his Jewish nature, he could not, you know, ever fulfill it. So that's what made him such a great sexual creative, is he could never unleash the lion. He was more of like a tamed, you know, like a circus lion, if that makes sense. Right. Right. Is there any... Do you think... That if Bleefold could, do you think if Bleefold was here today, you know, what would he say about the the sexual creative industry and the, and the young and the young men and women entering their sexual primes? You know, I think it would go a little something like this. And as you know, he only spoke in rhyme, right? And also, often half rhyme, and sometimes not quite rhyming, right? Sometimes. He only spoke in. Poetry and prose. Co- correct, correct. 
So this is not a direct quote from him, but him living in so- deeply inside of me and right. bursting out from the scene. You're channeling Bleefold here. Right. It's giving Bleefold. It's giving Bleefold and it's serving Arthur. That's what we'll call this one. Right. Right. A big mighty wolf is handsome as ever. His paws are so big and his mind is so clever. His nose is so wet it, it, it makes mine wet too. But he has great big paws so he cannot wear shoes. A big mighty wolf is what I'd like to be. I'd swim in a lake. I'd live in a tree. I'd fly all around like big nice wolves do. But I could not use staples and I could not buy glue. I'd run all around with my pack full of mares and my mighty wolf wife. She cannot go upstairs. Because way upstairs is where I keep my bones. You can't touch those things. Please leave them alone. On bones I must chew, both night and on day. And I love to walk on sand and on clay. I love to eat meat. Yum, yummy, yum, yum. I love to eat beef. Ooh, great, on my tongue. I slurp up the water from lake and from sea. Sea, correct. I wish I could fly like a wolf or a bee. I wish I could flitter. Boy, I wish I could flutter. I wish... I could run faster and churn some big butter. I cannot churn butter. No, Wolfie, no, no. I can't buy no camera. No Wolfie photos. I love to take baths. Yay, yay, by the creek. I watch all my children and kiss Uncle Sleep. It's time to go bed now. Bye, Wolfie. Bye-bye. I go to my kid's room. Give Wolfie high five. Say, hi, Junior Wolfie. You did wolf school today? He say, no wolf school, Daddy. Nay, ninny, nay, nay. I go to Wolf Daughter. She growls at me. I say, Wolfie Daughter? Did you brush your hair? She says, no, no, Papa. I hate Wolfie school. I wish I was cooler. No, Wolfie cool, cool. I say, Wolfie daughter, let's go for a swim. She says, Wolfie father, I'm not slender slim. I say, there's no need to be awful skinny. You must eat your bones or turn to a ninny. You must be a wolf that is big and strong so that you can run for very long, long. And be a strong wolf is what we must do, although we have paws and cannot wear shoes. I think it would go something like that. I think, you know... I think Bleefold, if he was here today, standing... I think he would be crying. I think he would be crying and weeping and pissing a little bit because, you know, he could never... Growing up in poverty and living in abject poverty, getting spit on in the street and never getting any pussy... And he couldn't go in the cave either. Couldn't go in the cave. Bleefold, you know, he would never have thought that 700 years later that his words would live on in a, in a show like right. this, you know, that, that there would be such a bevy, such a fucking harem, such a, a litany, a myriad, a plethora of sexually yeah. energetic young Arthur creatives. Arthur Bleefold was a sexual miracle. He was a sexual miracle. And, 
and he never would have expected so many sexual young creatives willing to engage and consume his work. Uh, because, you know, as you know, Arthur Bleefeld, he spent so much time in prison, um, persecuted for his Jewish uh, body and mind. And, uh, and he, th it was there that he wrote his most, one of his m most famous, some even might call his magnum opus poem, uh, The Caged Bird Sings Softly. Have you, have you ever read this one? I have not, but could you refresh me? I could absolutely refresh you. Uh, a Caged Bird Sings Softly by Arthur Bleefold, uh, uh written from United England Major Prison, 1843. Wow. So, it's so amazing. Before I start, it's so amazing that we can just have these documents from Mr. Bleefold. Right. Uh, I, 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 won't, I won't stand on ceremony or leave you waiting any longer. A Caged Bird Sings Softly by Arthur Bleefold. In a prison I rot on a stinky old cot. A thief I am not, although I cannot be bought. I am an ugly man, and my body is soft. Although I broke no laws, in prison I rot. People despise me for my ways, the way I sneak the way that I am slinky. They don't like my shoes because they're very stinky. They don't like my teeth for they're yellow and gray. They get mad at me with their kids I do play. I teach them new rhymes and I teach them new stories. Their names are so different from Ashley to Corey. They follow me around and say, hey, stinky man, what is that there that you have in your hand? I show them my hand, and in they do see toffees and sweets and little candies. I give them their candies, and they go right to bed. On the hillside is where they lay their little head. The sheriff doesn't know, and their parents mustn't find out that I've kept all these children and I make them all pout. They cry and they weep and they stutter and stumble in my prison in the hills where the walls do crumble. I show them cool tricks like how to do stretches. I feed them all poison and it makes them all wretched. Then I send them back home to their parents to play. They sprint and they run and in their beds they do lay and their parents they cry and they weep. Well, what happened? What happened? And now I'm in prison of my own and I'm napping. I'm a caged bird in jail and I've done my fair share of time I cannot wait to be free so I can create some more rhymes. It is I, Arthur Bleefel, thou shalt from the roof. And I'll get on a big horse and he'll gallop with his hoofs. But my sentence isn't over, so here I will stay. Arrested for being Jewish and ugly and gay. A Caged Bird Sings Softly by Arthur Bleefold. Wow. That took me from the inside and ripped me apart. It did. You know, and, and a lot of people might read that and they think, well, Arthur Bleefold deserves to be in jail. He was clearly a pedophile of some sort. He didn't never, he never did anything. If you listen to the story. He didn't well, do anything. He didn't, he didn't do, any do anything wrong. Even you know, a lot of people think metaphors are real. Right. And... This is one of the main things that um, poets from Arthur Bleefold to Roman Polanski have, have suffered right. from. Right, Chuck Palahniuk. Is people not understanding metaphors. Right. They, they say, oh, well, you know, he did all those terrible things. He poisoned children. He taught them how to stretch. So it's like, okay, well, you know, you know what's in your child's food today? 
500 years later, poison. And what do you tell them to do when they wake up in the morning? Get a big stretch in. So if you want to go by that logic, then you're just as guilty as Arthur Bleefold of what? I think people are too harsh on Mr. Bleefold. I think people – I don't think people have heard enough of this guy. I think – you know what? I, I think you and me could probably do – we could probably tell about 25 more minutes of the story of Mr. Bleefold. Right. I think we could. Right. And I, I think th- people would enjoy that. I think they would really enjoy – I. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Bleeful did marry, but he never was a sexual, sexually active man. Uh, his wife, Anne Marie Bleeful, uh, she wasn't a poet, but she was a musician. Um, she played the lute. Uh, she played the organ. She played the hell out of the lute. She played such a good lute. Uh, now. Arthur Bleefold wasn't sexually active in terms of intercourse, coitus, um, right, or right, even right. the classic reach around, but he was known to for everyday activities, from walking mm-hmm. to singing to drinking a glass of water. Correct. Everything was a sexual activity to him. It right. was like chi. It was his energy. It it drove him. Right. And I think, I think that's I think that's important to note with, mm-hmm. with regards to his legacy. Mm-hmm. Right. And something that I think would be you know the problem I think you and me are are we're sort of rare in in this that as sexual young creatives we appreciate the classics. You know we do we uh, you know a lot of people get caught up with the new stuff you know right. new uh, stuff's fine r- rupee. Rupee Paul or whatever. Rupee Paul, um, you know. Uh, um, Ru- Ru- Rupee Paul, uh, you know. Who? Uh, there's no. Big, we know all the uh, poets. There's no need to name all. Bumbly Bella, you know, uh, yeah. the TikTok star, uh, you know, and and TikTok is a very. TikTok is a very sexually creative place. Uh, it is. It is. It is. And, I think that's – I suspect that's partially what it was created for in a way. I do I do suspect that, that uh, you know, the Chinese and their sort of uh, opportunistic minds, their industrious minds – The Chinese they, are an inherently sexual people. Right. Some people think they're sort of sexless creatures. Uh, but I would, I, I would say that that's racist uh, and I would say yeah, that that's – Yeah, I wouldn't say that. Uh, uh, that. I would say that that's wrong. Right. Uh, Chinese. There. First of all, there's so many of them. Clearly, you know, there's so, clearly there's so many of them. They're very sexual. You know what China translates to in English? What is that? Um, when you take the characters, um, because there's over ten Chinese characters. There's so many. Right. Right. It translates directly to, um, vibe nation. Right. Right. And that's kind of I feel like mentally that's something we can and spiritually that we we can strive toward. Right. I mean the vibe dynasty of you know, right two thousand and three. Really it's said. it's a it's a it's a country it's a land mm-hmm. a motherland of sorts built on mm-hmm. vibes. Right. And that sort of sexual creative energy coursing through the mountains, ravines, rivers, mm-hmm. streams, valleys, big ass fields. Looking, yeah. Um. That well, creates a culture. Well, you know what was who was one of the first uh, politicians and cults of personalities to bring Arthur Bleefold to the people of China was Mao Zedong, and yeah. Mao Zedong was a was a huge fan of Arthur Bleefold. Uh, he would make you know the the hooty tooty, fresh and fruity, wealthy children read Bleefold in the fields. Uh, yeah, and that was sort of the the you know the way the Cultural Revolution got kicked off. Yeah, um, and that's why you know. It's why he named his son Mal Bleefold. Right, right. Arthur Bleefold named his son Mal Bleefold. No, Mal. Oh. Arthur named his son Arthur Mal, but that was unrelated. Not unrelated because it was before Mal was. That born. was in the United England, so mm. they, they do things differently. The Communist Revolution of United England, correct? Right. Uh, you know, and and one thing I love about about communists, I'm not trying to get political here at all, is is that they they are sexually creative and powerful, but some might argue a little too sexually creative and powerful. Um, well, uh, 
this whole conversation is really bleeful to ask. Yeah. Because he argued that the most sexually driven uh, aspect of any functional society is politics. Right. You know, it all starts at the top. And all politicians are very sexy people. Right, um, right. It's, you you had showed me a poem by Arthur Bleefeld, I think, about politics. Do you remember that? Well, I, I would love to share that one with you. I do remember, but I would love for you to share uh, the Bleefeld uh, poem about – well, it was sort of his ode to United England. Uh, oh, his ode to United England. I, how could I forget? You really – do you really think I know I should... it's overdone and I know it's cliche, but some of our I, listeners uh, might not have heard it I before. don't want to push this agenda on people, you know, but I guess if I have to. Yeah, it's, it's, it would be worthwhile. I think people are asking for it. I think they are And who am I to deny a, an, an encore? To you, right, correct. This is Arthur Bleefold's – and pardon me, my memory might, might be a little rough here, but – it's not that rough, because I, I read it in my sleep sometimes. Mm-hmm. This is Arthur Bleefeld's Ode to the United England. Oh, United England, with your walls made of brick, and your walls made of stone, and your walls made of sticks. May your walls stay as strong as the great river Timmy, and your days stay so long, and your name stays Jimmy, and you go to the store to buy United England products, and you buy some raw chicken, and then you buy raw ducks, you go buy some flour. To make speckled ham with your mother-in-law, Pimity Pam. And you wear England shoes and go to England feast. And you see England nephew, England uncle, England niece. And you drive your England Chevy, roll England Caprice. And you go England church, United England priest. And we live in our towns, and our life gay and merry. And we have two good friends, England Tim, England Harry. Oh, mighty United England, with your rivers so runny, and your pimpams and papas your mimmies and sunnies, with your mountains so medium and your hills tall as stars and your words, you're repeating them and your mouth's big and large with our big England teeth so shiny and brown. Here we live, united England, United England City Place Town. That was that no, was uh, United England. God, I love I love a good United England reading. Uh, it, it's you know it's and there's nothing to match nothing that like energy. You know, um, you know, people don't patriotism is on the decline in, in in this country in a lot of different places. People aren't proud for a lot of different reasons. A lot of different reasons, uh, and that's why I love the politics poem. Uh, you know, so Arthur Bleefeld's cousin, um, Eric Bleefeld, was an assassin uh, for a shadowy uh, sort of anti-government group in United England called uh, uh, the Big Boys. The Big Boys, and, yeah. Yeah. And you may Eric, remember them. You may remember them from the United from England history. From history books. Right. Uh, the Big Boys, they were trying to kill the, the king of United England, um, Tom. Tom. And, and yeah, Tom, Tom the Terrible, and uh, no relation to Thomas, of course. And uh, so, when Eric, when Arthur's cousin Eric was captured, 
uh, he was hung upside down, uh, and they pelted his body uh, with rocks until he died. And so Arthur, sort of saddened by this death of his cousin, who was sort of went astray, wrote this poem um, called "The Big Boy's Dismay." Wow, I I'm having a hard, I, I've heard of it for sure. Mm-hmm. I've definitely heard of this poem. I think I've read it before, but mm. Jake, I tell you what, I just can't seem. I just can't seem to remember it. Well, so the, it's it's worth noting that the poem only partial fragments of it was found. Actually, the last page of the poem has not been found, but I have a uh, first edition copy of the poem here in front of me. If you would like for me to read it, you know, let me think about it for five seconds. I'd like you to read it. I would love to read it for you. Uh, this is uh, what many might call a letter uh, pleading King Tom, the Terrible, of United England to free Eric Bleefold from prison. He wrote it as a poem, as Arthur's wont to do. Yes. The big boy's dismay. My cousin Eric, he was slender and fast. When he was picked for sports, he was first and never last. He was a smart boy with muscles and speed. He could fulfill every desire as well as every need. The townsfolk loved Eric. He was limber and strong. He was good at sports and he could write a nice song. But Eric grew up sad. He grew up a little gray. And so I wrote this for him and the king, the big boy's dismay. When Eric joined the big boys, at first they scoffed. Who is this man? He is not strong, he is soft. We had heard of you, Eric, your speed and your strength. We had heard of your girth. We had heard of your length. But all we see before us is a gray and sad man. Eric stood proudly and opened his hand. And it was a gun. A big old pistol with a black trigger. Uh, the, the last page uh, seems to be cut off. Uh, I don't know. That's the whole poem. That's all that we have. Wow. That's all that we have. That's, that was the last. Uh, that was the last. You know, I hope one day we find it. But I there's really no no telling what was on that last. There's page. no telling at all what was on that last page. Um, and I you, wish we knew. I, we, I wish we could even theorize what I, it was. I'm but laughing. We can't. I'm we crying know. so hard. I'm laughing because I wish to God that I knew God, what was on that. I really last. wish. I really wish we had that Lost last page. Lost to the sands of time. Uh, you never, I mean, you know, you know in the history books what became an old Eric, but you don't know Arthur's story and how he portrayed it and, you know, what could have happened with that trigger. Yeah. There's really no even theorizing on it. We just There's don't none. know. There's none, you know. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought this into my fold. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do that for you, Thomas. Because... The way I've been opened up over the last 45 minutes or so has been right. captivating, to say the least. Bleefold, above all else, say what you will about the man's alignments with the Masonic Temple. Say what right. you will about his his later years. Ties to pedophilic rings. And well, like alleged. You know, alleged, yeah. Tied to poetry clubs, you know. Um, right. The man above all else was a lover. Mm-hmm. And a sexual creative. He was. Yeah. He was. And uh, I think that he really brought that out while talking about his cousin in that poem. Right. You know, um, I think at that point in Arthur's life, I think he felt that he failed young Eric, you know, Uh because while Arthur was a poor man, he was a man that abided by the law. And Eric, you know, he hung out with so many seedy individuals. Uh, the big boys, you know, I understand and sort of sympathize with their mission. But, uh, you know, 
he hung around a bad crowd. And because of it, he was executed by the state. But I, I feel like Arthur may have felt that he could have, you know, guided Eric a bit better. Um, kept him away from pistols and things like that. Yeah. You know. And the thing is, he had so many cousins like that. Right. Across history books. Yeah, there was Chaotic Kyle. Uh, Chaotic the, Kyle. The, the, the anarchist who... Uh, he... So he got um, the the daughter of the king pregnant because Chaotic Kyle was very sexual and uh, a very young sexual creative. He got her pregnant when he was 11 years old. Yeah. Um, and she, and was, she was, what, 56? 56, yeah. She was 56. And, uh, you know, at that time, that, I mean, that was just sort of what, you know. you and, and That and, was expected. Yeah. You yeah. know, back in the medieval ages, women couldn't get pregnant until laid into their And And 11-year-old boys had the most virile semen. Right. And, and uh, I just wish, I just wish we had more poems about his cousins. Well, I think you told me that when you were doing um, research on Bleefeld at the United England uh, University of Literature and Philosophy, that you found um, a poem that he had written about Chaotic Kyle. Um, oh, I completely forgot about this until just now, Jake. Well, so so if I'm you told me that he wrote it um, when Kyle was fleeing from the knights of of terrible Tom's uh, sort of round table, and he was stowed away under the floorboards of of Bleefold's home, and they would have these little conversations, chaotic Kyle and Arthur, and Arthur incorporated some of these conversations. It, you know what? How about this? I will be chaotic Kyle, and you will be Arthur. And 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 you and we can relay to the lovely people how some of their fi- some of their the words that they shared in, the, in this right. terrible time. Uh, was it each each of them doing two lines at a time? The poem is rusty. Right. Yeah. So so it would be you know so they could have to speak very short hushed two line sentences that rhymed and and that's mm-hmm. how they talked to each other. I remember now. Right. Are you being Kyle? I am Chaotic Kyle. You're you're, Chaotic Kyle. You're Arthur Bleefeld. I love my dear cousin. Yes, he is called Kyle. He loves to go loco with crazy man style. Hey, cousin Arthur. It's good to see you. Under your house stinks. A big, big P-U. A big, big P-U? Oh, this will go south. Stay, stay out of here, Kyle. Go back to your pouch. I don't live in a pouch. I live in a hut. I walk around naked. All the bugs chew my butt. They all chew your butt. Yes, it must be real itchy. But I am a countryman. Go back to the city. If I go back to the city, I will surely be killed by terrible Tom's knights, and they will surely be thrilled to find my limp body in the middle of the street, all bloody and beaten, and covered in sleet. Covered in sleet, in rain, and in snow. Oh, chaotic Kyle, you've been a bad hoe. But been a bad hoe, or rake, or a shovel. Oh, chaotic Kyle, I want none of your trouble. Everyone hates me because I fucked the king's daughter. I tried to fuck the king's brother. He was a little hotter. He had a nice bod, and he showed me how to sew. He tied up my private parts in a pretty little bow. A pretty little bow, but we remain in the present. And, Chaotic Kyle, while you may not be pleasant, you've been busting out and sucking and fucking 
And I know you give mouth in exchange for Robitussin. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I go to the store. Sometimes I don't. The king will find me there, and he'll give me a wedgie. He'll slap on my penis. He'll slap my little heady. He'll say, why'd you fuck my daughter? And, and give her a child? I do not like you, Kyle. You're chaotic and wild. Oh, chaotic and wild. I've heard all that crap. You've touched every breast, node, and lump on the map. You've squeezed every butt, every lump, every chode. You've uh, taken all rods and all sorts of loads. You've cummed and you've blasted. You've sucked and you've blown. You've touched and you've choked and you've sucked and you've sewn and you've licked and you've slobbered, you've gobbled, you've grown. You've grown into a man and you're back here and home. While all this is true, I am quite sullen. I'm sad and I'm lonely. And they're going to cave my skull in. I'm only 11 and I do fear a lot that I won't go to heaven and in hell I will rot. For fucking the king's daughter and giving her a boy who cannot read or write, who doesn't play with toys. His head is shaped weird and people do mock him. They go up behind him and punch him and sock him. He loves to get socked and loves to get rocked. I bought a guitar and I bought a lot of things I don't need, but I tell you what I do. I need a big hug, a grab and kiss from you. You're my cousin, Kyle, and will always be. And I have your social security number tattooed on my sleeve. And also on my chest and back and bottom of my feet. Kyle, it's been too long since two cousins got to meet. I must go now. I hear the night's coming. They want to wrestle me and play with my tummy. They want to kill me and beat me up too. So to you I say goodbye, cousin, and toodaloo toodaloo. I love that one. I love it so much. That was a really good one. I love it a lot. I'm he, surprised we both remembered that much of it, honestly. I'm surprised as well. And you know... Um, the story of Bleefield is a sad one, and his family was sort of mired in controversy and, you know, sad stories, tragedy. Yeah, things of that nothing nature. funny about any of it. No, not at all. But I'm glad that we got to discuss him today on the free episode um, of our show, and I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we could bring a little bit of, of Bleefield joy. To, uh, That's what, I mean, at the end of the day, what more can you ask for in your right. life than bringing a bit of Bleefield joy into the common man's life? That's uh, I just you know. That's the most you can ask for in this world. Um, you know, I think. I think that uh, Bleefold, if he was alive today, would would want anybody listening to subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, he probably Patreon. would, and I think he would also say some other things for at least a minute. He would. He would. Maybe he would write a poem about subscribing to the show. Right. I wonder how that would rhyme. I wonder how it would go. I wonder how it would lull. I wonder how it would flow. I wonder if you have feet and fingers and toes. If you have your fingers and they are on your hands, pull out your computer and take a little glance at patreon.com. Slash Pendejo Time. If you liked all of our riddles and you loved all of our rhymes, please toss us five dollars so we can go to the bank 
And then I can go to Jake's house and spank. And spank him till his little boy cheeks are red. And hit him with bottles on the back of his head. And when he wakes up, he asks where he is. And I said, I don't know. You, this is just where I live. We look each other in the eye. And we tell no more lies. To all of our listeners, goodbye. goodbye.